And welcome back to Mark My Words Football Podcast with Rob and Scott. And we are happy to be back after a long summer to give you our season predictions and analysis in the first episode of the 2023 NFL season. Welcome back, everybody. Season two of the Mark My Words Football Podcast. I, for one, am super excited to be back here. And I, uh, how about you, Rob? Yes, I'm looking forward to a very exciting season. We saw a lot of great things happen in free agency. Probably the most notable for me, at least, was seeing my longtime quarterback, Rodgers, go to the rival of your team, the Buffalo Bills. And I know for certain that's just going to be one of the many things that we have long discussions over this year. Oh, absolutely. I think there's going to be a lot of good debates and heated topics we have with it over this season and of course many opportunities for us to mark our words yes and we will of course as we always do review the mark my words at the end of the season and see who got what right and see if we can expose each other further than we did last year i know we had some good ones last year we're going to try and make them even better this year and without further ado we will be getting into our season predictions predicting all the divisions all the standings as well as the playoffs and player awards but we're going to start with the AFC North. And Scott, what do you have for the AFC North standings? So for the AFC North here, I really think this is going to be one of the most fun divisions that there are in football this year. And really a lot of good teams coming out of it. So in this division this year, I actually had a bit of a hard time when I was trying to predict who might win this division because I felt there were so many good teams. And where I ended up with that is... The winner of this division, I ended up picking the Baltimore Ravens to go 13-4. and Baltimore, I, I liked a lot of what they did this offseason, and I really liked how they've revamped their offense, and uh, especially what they've done in the coaching, replacing offensive coordinator Greg Roman with Todd Munkin. I think that's going to be a really big part of the success that the Ravens are going to find this season. Overall, I just really liked what the Ravens have done and proved themselves. And up next... I had the Cincinnati Bengals going 12 and 5, who had the Bengals, who'd really been the darlings of many people in the NFL here, very close to winning a Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and coming very close to being in the Super Bowl yet again last year. Joe Burrow has become one of the undisputed top five quarterbacks in this league, and really boasts one of the best wide receiver rooms in the NFL with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and such. I mean. Cincinnati is really going to be a very competitive team again, I believe, but may have a little bit of downfall that I could see that could prevent them from winning this division. And honestly, I just like Baltimore a little bit, even though I do see these teams as being quite close. And you had uh, Cincinnati at 12 wins, correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so I think maybe the slow start maybe has Baltimore that might prove to uh, boost Baltimore over Cincinnati in the end. Uh, and up in third in this division, I have the Cleveland Browns going 11-6. and six. So, again, just predicting this division to be very good. And I honestly did like the Browns a lot. And judging by the close records I have in this division for this season, it's going to come down to the end. And I can see Cleveland being in it for a long time, or possibly even winning this division, depending on how things go. Deshaun Watson did have a very down year, as we all know. But again, I like a lot of the things that Cleveland has put together this offseason, bringing in Elijah Moore, and of course their good offensive line that they have going for them. And Zadarius Smith as well in that deal. Lots of really great additions on defense, like Zadarius Smith and Ladanian Tomlinson. 
I think that's going to bring the Browns back into contention again. And then the final team that I had in the AFC North is the Pittsburgh Steelers at 9-8, and eight, who in my predictions just missing the playoffs. So three of four teams I have in the AFC North making the playoffs and one just missing. For me, even with the record that I have predicted of Pittsburgh, I don't believe that they're going to be quite as good as their record indicates based on how they play. I believe that Mike Tomlin's going to want to coach that style. It's going to be a closer game and more game management. That their defense is going to carry them to a good amount of wins, but fall short of the postseason uh, when it all comes to an end. But of course, still you know, keeping his uh, record going of not making the postseason. One of my failed mark my words from last season. <laughs> of course, you learned your lessons. Yes. Yeah, apparently I have. That the Steelers are just going to be better than I think they're going to be. Yes, you have to honor that streak until it ends. You have to honor it. No, so uh, I do have the Steelers going nine and eight. So now, Rob, I'd love to hear what you would say, your predictions, and then maybe we can discuss a little bit and yes. debate what we have going on. Yes, and I agree with your middle two teams and their placement. However, I would swap the end two. So really, yes. In my predictions, I, I have number one the Pittsburgh Steelers with a record of 12 and 5. Wow. And I love what the Steelers have been up to lately. I love Kenny Pickett's development. He has looked fantastic in the preseason. And I know it's the preseason and we shouldn't get too excited. But darn it, I am excited because we didn't see Kenny Pickett ball out last year. I saw a lot of good things. I saw a lot of potential. I marked my words, I think off camera, I don't know if it got on camera, that he would be a very good quarterback and, and better than Justin Fields, a guy that, he, that you liked, um, but I think that he is going to take that step this year, and he's going to he's going to really prove himself to be a, a dependable quarterback. And the Steelers, they always play tough. They always play with good defense. I think Najee Harris Najee Harris bounces back from his down year last year. Mike Tomlin is as good a coach in the league as any, and I think the stability of the Steelers franchise, as well as George Pickens, Deontay Johnson. And Kenny Pickett are going to be a four-set offense, 12-5, and five, winning that division. At number two, I have the Cincinnati Bengals coming in at 11-6. and six. And a big reason why I have the Steelers winning this division is because they sweep Cincinnati. I think that Cincinnati is going to have a, a bit of a slow start because Joe Burrow and his injury. And they also had a slow start last year. I don't see the momentum with the Bengals. And the Bengals are one of the teams that I would say... They kind of are showing off some bad vibes in this early portion of the year. There's a lot of talk of this is their last year, this is their last window. And it seems like when you start saying that it's your last window, you've already given it up. So I think the Bengals, they're going to start slow. They're too good of a team to be bad team, but I just don't think it's in the cards for them this year. Number three, I have the Cleveland Browns at 9-8. and eight. And for the Browns, I agree, they're going to be a good team, and I wanted to have them better than 9-8, and eight, but I just couldn't justify it with all that's going on in the AFC. I think Watson had, a, again, a down year last year. I think he proves to be better than that, and I love their pieces. I love Nick Chubb. I love Garrett and Zadarius Smith. I think that's going to be the best D-line in the NFL this year, but I just don't trust the consistency of the Browns as a franchise, and I think maybe this is a step in the right direction, but they're not going to get there quite yet. And then at number four, uh, and by the way, I do have the Browns missing the playoffs narrowly. 
Uh, and number four, I do have the Baltimore Ravens at eight and nine. And I do like the move to away from Greg Roman as the OC. I think that needed to change. However, they just do not have the receiving or running talent that I think you need in today's NFL. I understand Lamar Jackson can throw and run very well, but I, I'm not sold on their running game. I'm not sold at all on their receivers. And I think they're just too under-talented in a very talented AFC. And so to recap, Steelers number one, Bengals two, Browns three, Ravens four. So I'd like to get a little bit more into Baltimore to start off with. Because obviously we were at uh, very opposite ends of them. Uh, what what was your win prediction for Baltimore? Eight and nine. Okay, and I had them at 13 and four. Yes. So honestly, I like I said, I liked a lot of what Baltimore did at the receiver position. I, I think bringing in Odo Beckham Jr., drafting Zay Flowers are things that are going to help them out a lot. And I think the biggest thing is putting in an offensive system that's going to allow Lamar Jackson to thrive, as well as some receivers to actually throw to, and maybe a healthy Rashard Bateman would help as well. Right, right. But I just think that you're depending on an, an injury-ridden Odell Beckham who's at the tail end of his career, and you're depending on these young, talented but unproven guys. And in a brand-new offensive system, I just don't know if they're going to be able to have the steam and the chemistry that they need to be able to win this division. That's my concern. And I do agree that their receivers are better than last year for sure. And it's good that Demar Jackson got his contract settled. But I just don't think they're going to have the horsepower to, to deal with all the talent. Okay, so obviously, I, th- I think this team, I guess we're going to differ a lot on because I, I guess I'm very high on them and, and you not as much. I've seen a lot of people on both ends. They kind of don't know what to do with the Ravens, I think. Yeah, and I do think that the Ravens have gotten sneakily better on defense. Yes, yes and no, I think it's And I think that could help them in the conversation, but I mean, overall, this is going to be a, a fun division. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I, I did end up finding a hard time picking them. Right, right. And I'm, I don't think that you, like, I don't think it was absurd at all that you had the Ravens at number one, and yet I had the Steelers at number one and the Ravens at number four. So I think just that in, in itself shows you how, just kind of how fun this division will end up being. Although myself, I do find it a little absurd to have the Steelers at number one. I think they are definitely quite a tier below the other three. I mean, they were able to having, win nine games. A close record. I did, but like I said, as I kind of quickly went through mine, I, I don't think that they are going to be as good of a team as their record may indicate. Right. Right. But I don't know. I mean, you may be right in that, and I, I would somewhat agree with that. But remember the year that they went 12-5, and five, I believe, or maybe it was 12-4, with Ben Roethlisberger, and we all knew that they weren't that good. Uh, I think that if the Steelers can go 9, if they can go 12-5 and five with Ben Roethlisberger in you know his last year, Kenny Pickett's certainly better than that. And they, they already won nine games last year. I think they're going to get better, and I think they could easily win 12 games. I just have serious concerns about how they would want to run their offense. I mean, looking back at last year, they were 26 in the league in, in points four. And to be honest, I never was really a Kenny Pickett fan. In what they have on their offense, I think is okay. I mean, I like George Pickens. I like Deontay Johnson. I think they're fine players. Like, Fari Muth is a good tight end, but I just don't see them being explosive enough or Tomlin and his staff wanting to put in the amount of explosive plays that it's, I think it's going to take to be able to be competitive in the AFC. I mean, I could definitely see Pittsburgh sneaking into the, like being in the playoffs 
because of the team they are, and really in general in the AFC, like at least some team being in there that I'm going to be frustrated with personally right. because they're going to be a high-flying team or two that's going to miss, but then like a defensive team like, I don't know, like New England or Pittsburgh or somebody makes yeah. it and everybody's mad about it, or I'm mad about it. And, and Cincinnati, I, I see them start, like I said, starting slow, and I think that they've lost all their momentum. I think that last year was kind of their year to do it, and they just missed their window. I, I wouldn't say that they missed their window, but I can see them taking a step back, or maybe not even so, but having to be propped up a lot by their offense, or m- more than they've had to have been. Like I said, I think their offense, they have one of the best receiver rooms, Chase Higgins Boyd, and they've done some things to help with their offensive line, but they lost a lot of players on the defense. Right. Lost both their star safeties, and I think that's going to to take a big hit to Cincinnati and may take some time to figure out if maybe if ever get back to a better level on defense. I do believe their defense is something that could hold them back this year and honestly probably have a lower um, record than actually what I predicted at 12-5. and five. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of toss-up games, a lot of great teams in the AFC that they could either win because of their offense or lose because of their defense. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, I think, hands down the most fun division. Uh, but now we move on to the, the other north, the NFC North, which should be maybe fun in a different way. Um, and uh, why don't you take it away with the NFC North? All righty. In the NFC North, I think this is a division considered by most people to be very wide open. So you could see some fun things in that. And really the NFC in general is very wide open. And in this division, I have the Detroit Lions winning this division at 11 and 6. I've I've liked what Detroit has done over the last couple of years, and listeners of this show may well remember that we were the quite the leaders of the Detroit Lions bandwagon going into last season. Yes, we did, and we certainly never gave up on that. <laughs> never. Certainly never did that. But I think they they can have a very potent offense, resurrecting the career of Derek Goff. And I've liked what they've done to their secondary to help improve it as well. They had a bit of an interesting draft, but one with some good pieces to it. And could see some good players and improvement out of it. So Detroit was the team I liked the most coming out of there. And then next up, I had the Green Bay Packers coming in at 8-9 and and taking that final spot, playoff spot, in the NFC. I mean, the Packers are a team that is really hard to get a handle on what they're going to be because nobody really knows what Jordan Love is. Green Bay, especially at receiver, was a big question mark last year, but I mean, some players have shown some potential. But again, not super confident in what they have. But I do believe that in a wide-open NFC, the Packers do have enough to make the playoffs. Right, it's a lot of what-ifs there. And Next up in that division, I had the Minnesota Vikings at 6-11. and 11. Uh, The Vikings, I have taken a really big hit. I think most people that pay attention to football or especially statistics like really know that Minnesota way outplayed what they really were, you're not going to ever win that amount of one-score games. It's just not going to happen. And I think they did have a couple of losses 
or not a great job of replacing the things that they were weak at that I could easily see the Vikings fall to the playoffs and end up at a 6-11 and record. And then finally, up in, the divi- in that division, I have the Chicago Bears also at 6-11. and Justin Fields is a very fun player and one that I like a lot. And the Bears have really done some interesting things and in building their roster, bringing in a better wide receiver, DJ Moore. But obviously I do believe that the Bears are still going to be a little bit more of a bottom feeder this year and still have a lot of development to go before I can really see them contending in the NFC. Yeah, and I, I would say I agree with most of what you said. In fact, almost exactly to what you said. And I, I have, number one, also the Detroit Lions winning the division at a record of 10-7. and seven. So, you know, very modest record winning that NFC North. And I was a bit perplexed by some of the moves they made. With Jamal Williams having the greatest season he's ever had and having so many touchdowns, them getting rid of him, them getting rid of um, DeAndre Swift, a bit perplexing, but they had a fantastic draft. I think we can all agree on that. And they seem to have a very stable leadership. They seem to know what their identity is. They seem to know what they want to do and who they want to be. And I love the vibes from the Lions. They're one of my good vibes teams. And I think you just, who can't who can't get behind this Lions team? They're so fun. They, their attitude is phenomenal. And I think they're a talented football team. Jared Goff really proving that he can be a good quarterback. I think they have enough to finally win the division and make the playoffs. Coming in at number two. I have the Green Bay Packers with a record of 10-7 and seven as well. And I went back and forth so much on Green Bay this year, being a fan of the team, of course. I watched all the preseason action from Love. And what I saw, I, I, I don't say I was, I wouldn't say I was blown away by it. I think it was very safe looking. You didn't really see him air it out too much. And when he did air it out, a couple of times he was off. A couple of times he dropped it on a dime. Um, so... I think they really have to, they can't play it safe with Love this year. They have to unleash him because the point of this year for Green Bay is not to make the playoffs. This year, a successful year for the Packers this year doesn't mean making the playoffs and winning a playoff game. A successful year means evaluating Jordan Love. If you come out of this year and you still think, well, yeah, we don't really know, and that's a failed year. I don't care how, how good you are. But if you come out of it 7-10 and 10, missing the playoffs, but you know, hey, Jordan Love is a guy then that's a good year. Like The point of this year isn't to win games. It's to, like, do we have a franchise quarterback? 100% agree with that. Yeah, if you come out of the season not knowing if Jordan loves the guy, you have failed miserably. Yes. And it's like, I, I agree with a lot of what people said last year. When it looked like the Packers weren't going to make it, you probably should have played love for a few games. Like, it obviously wasn't going to happen. Now, as a fan, I was clinging to hope that it would have happened, and it almost did, but... I think in hindsight, you know, hindsight 2020, they probably should have played love for a few games last year. But, uh, you know, I think that they are good enough to make the playoffs. I do think that love has everything he needs to succeed. He has a stable franchise, a franchise that's been really well run, despite, you know, some things that we are perplexed by. And I think he has the one of the best offensive lines in the league, a fantastic running game, and some good young talent in his receiving core. So that's going to be enough in a week NFC to get them to 10 wins, I think. At number three, I have the Minnesota Vikings at 9-8. and eight. I think they were about a 10 or 11 win team last year at most, and I think they're going to be around that this year at about nine wins. Getting rid of their best playmaker, Dalvin Cook, doesn't help things. However, I do like 
the addition of Brian Flores as their defensive coordinator, I think he'll add some grit there. But I just I don't see the Vikings. I don't and like I said. I don't think they were nearly as good as the record last year. And I just don't think that I think they're going to come back down to earth this year, but still finish with a modest nine and eight. And at number four, I have the Chicago Bears at seven and ten. I think that Justin Fields is a very talented player. However, the hype is a little bit too much. You have to remember the Bears had like the worst record in the league last year. They're not a good team. Their their roster still is very lacking in, in almost every area. So Justin Fields should be a very fun player this year. And I think he in itself in himself will be able to get them to seven wins, which is a good I think that's a successful year for the Bears. If you get seven wins, that's a good year. But they do finish in fourth in the division. And so this division we did have a lot of things that were similar. Yes. Yes. Placement was exactly the same. Yeah. So, we can go and talk a little bit more about each of these teams. Yes. So, for Detroit, do you see their offense being as good or even better as it was last year? I, I don't. And the reason why is because those two running backs. I think they, they were a running team that had a good passing attack as well. I don't know if Jared Goff can maintain how good he did last year. I mean, he had, he had like 29 touchdowns, 7 interceptions which is really good ratio and just under a hundred passer rating. And I think that he'll maintain something close to that. I don't know if he'll hit it on the nose. And I, you know, I think it's just unfair to expect the run game to live up to what it was last year with rookies. And, you know, I think they may suffer from that, but I do think they will improve greatly on the defensive side. I would rebuttal that point a little bit. I think they were, smarter to let Jamal Williams walk for what he did. I don't believe that the success of running backs is a huge predictor of how much success you're going to have. And, I mean, honestly, I don't love the fact that they selected Gibbs with the highest pick that they did. But I do believe that he is not going to have a lower level than play than they received last year from the running backs. I do think that Detroit has a good offensive line, and that is biggest predictor of your run game success that's true they do have a good offensive line as well as a very good scheme by ben johnson very good and creative yes but i do agree with you on the points of jared goff but can he hold up with that i mean honestly i would have really liked to see detroit add a little bit more wide receiver or at the very least have jameson williams for a full season because i feel like i would have been even higher on this team if they had Amon Ross St. Brown and Jameson Williams lined up on the outside to start week one. That is true. That's a good point. They were they were in, kind of in and out of the lineup, and when Amon Ra was in, they were rolling on the offensive side. So, yes, they, they definitely have the potential to get there, and I hope they do because I, I'm, I'm a Lions supporter. I'm not going to call myself a fan, but I'm a Lions supporter. Uh, Green Bay Packers, though, you, you had them at 8-9, but slipping in the playoffs with a wild card. And do you think they have the have more of an upside to be more of an upside, like more of an upside to go like 11-6, or do you think it's more likely that they kind of crash and burn and kind of finish down in the bottom? Well, to be honest, I feel like it would be more likely that they are going to finish, like crash and burn and finish in the bottom than to finish near the top of the NFC. Okay. Me personally. I mean, I, when I look at that roster, like I just can't quite get a good handle. And I just have a really hard time wanting to say 
I think this team's going to be really good. Right. Maybe right. if we get like four to six weeks in the year and we say, okay, we think Jordan loves the guy. Christian Watson is still awesome. I think that maybe I changed my mind on that. But going into this season, I view them more as a fringe playoff team to maybe even possibly bottoming out. Right. And I felt that way for a while in the season, and I don't know if that was logic, and then my fandom took over after that or the other way around. But I think that, you know, what Aaron Rodgers did last year with them, leading them to 8-9, and nine, his stats were not all that great, and his play was not all that great. And I think Jordan Love could reasonably hit that level. Now, he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't, like, he wasn't Aaron Rodgers as we know him. So I think the drop-off isn't going to be that much. And I think that also last year they had a lot of, close games that were just really really poorly coached and the defense really disappointed last year this year hopefully Rashawn Gary doesn't get hurt for the entire year that's their best pass rusher I think it's it's you know akin to Von Miller getting hurt in Buffalo so I think that if Rashawn Gary is able to stay healthy and the defense picks up the slack and actually performs like they're supposed to that they could be a quite a stable team that could pose a threat to any team in the league I think for points and the Vikings as well. I think we both agree they're not going to be a very good team. Now, you had them way down, I think, with six wins. Yes, I did. When I'm looking at like the expected wins for them based on DVOA and stats like that, it has them ranked way down there. And I think my eye test matches up to that as well. And we talked about often about them not being as good as they were. And I don't think that they done enough in the offseason to address what they've had wrong with them. I mean, I have heard the point that, okay, they're not going to be in as many one-score games because just of how NFL games work and that luck. And that would, of course, give you less chances to lose the ones that you won if the point is you're not going to win as many one-score games. Right, right. And I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And, you know, I think Kirk Cousins is good enough in this NFC to lead to kind of stabilize that and, and lead them to nine and eight, but absolutely agree. They're not really a legitimate threat. And, and same with the bears. Like I hear a lot of hype with Chicago and, and how good Justin Fields is looking. But if you look at their roster and you look at, you can't ignore last year. They were like the worst team in the league. Right. So I just, I don't see where that's coming from as a fringe playoff team. I certainly disagree with that. Yeah. I think they can be a, a fun team at some points. But I don't think they're going to be competitive at all in the playoffs. I mean, they had the the most points against in the league. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Justin Fields is an amazing runner, but he was still very, very below average for passing. And do we even expect he's going to be an average passer? I would say no. I would probably agree with that. But if he does get to even be an average passer, you could see that being a better team as the years go on. But I don't believe we're going to see that this year. Right. And, yeah, that, so that wraps up the Norths here in the AFC and NFC. And we saw wild disagreement on one end and pretty much mutual agreement on the other. So now we move on and venture to the AFC South. And, Scott, you want to take this one away? All righty. So the AFC South, it has been a bit of a bottom feeder in terms of divisions. In recent years? Certainly. And I think it's been pretty trendy this offseason to pick one team. So, of course, I do have that team. And 
based on the record I had them predicted, some people may say I think that is pretty high, but I do think that they could almost sweep the division or come close to it, and based on their weaker schedule, could really end up competing for one of the higher seeds, even if they're not one of the better teams. So in winning that division, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars going 12-5. and I really like Trevor Lawrence, one of my favorite players to watch in the league, and of course Calvin Ridley coming in now, coming off the suspension. Can he go back to that wide receiver one form? He better. We'll have to see. But I do really like a lot of the things that they have going on in Jacksonville. And uh, next in that division, I have the Tennessee Titans at seven and ten. So Tennessee was a team that we argued a lot about over the last season or even multiple seasons. And I almost wanted to keep them lower this. I, I'm just pretty low on Tennessee. But again, they're just one of those teams that just kind of kind of hang around and kind of bully you with your run game. I would not be surprised at all to see Derrick Henry fall off this year based on how many reps he's received over his career. But, but again, Tennessee is a team that I don't see contending at all even if they may be sniffing around the wild card race for a while. And uh, after that, I have the Indianapolis Colts at 5-12. and 12. So Indianapolis is obviously quite a rebuilding team at this time, selecting Anthony Richardson in the draft and planning on starting him for week one. There's going to be a lot of lumps in Indianapolis this season, with Richardson, of course, being a very unproven quarterback. And... Uh, likely to see themselves as bottom feeders yet again in Indianapolis, but I think could have some fun to them come the end of the year, and a team they're going to look at going forward. And then, finally up in this division, I have the Houston Texans going 3-14. and 14. Very much a bottom feeder. I really do not like this Texans roster at all. Again, coming in with a rookie quarterback, and I don't believe a lot to surround him with. I think that Houston is going to have a lot of struggles and be near the bottom of the league yet again this year. All right, yeah, I would pretty much agree with with all of the above, uh, with one key exception, of course. I think we all know what that what that's going to be. But I'll start at the top with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I do have them winning the division at twelve and five, and more on Jacksonville coming up after the standing prediction. But I think I'm very high on the Jacksonville Jaguars this year after being a bit of a doubter last year. Uh, I, I really think Trevor Lawrence is an incredibly talented quarterback, and he has like the perfect coach to surround him. I think he has all the weapons he needs in Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk uh, proving to be a better receiver than we had thought last year. And I think that ETN is going to prove to be a nice running back in the backfield yet again this year. I like this Jaguars' momentum, and I think in a weak division, they should be able to win at least five games and maybe even sweep the division and come in at the 12 wins. And number two, I do have the Tennessee Titans at 10 and 7 here, and I was deliberating with going even higher on this, but I had to restrain myself. I think that last year they went 7 and 10, which is not impressive, but Ryan Tannehill was hurt, and they, they plummeted after that. I don't even think they won a single game after that. And when he was in the lineup, they looked like kind of the typical Titans team that we have always seen. Hard-nosed, well-coached very disciplined, but relatively unexciting on the offense. The difference this year is is I'm counting on Tannehill staying healthy, and they have a true number one receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. He is as good as any receiver in the league. I think he's still, at minimum, a top 10 receiver, and I think he can push 
top five potential as well. So they have a do. They actually have something that will keep defenses on edge uh, in the passing game this year. And again, they're one of those teams that they're always well coached. They're always well disciplined. They're, they're going to be in the hunt. And I think they could really prove to upset a team in the wild card round. I don't think they're they have Super Bowl potential, but they're one of those teams that you're going to be really frustrated that they take out possibly a team that you wanted to see. And at number three, I have the Houston Texans at five and twelve. I agree with uh, your points. Uh, they're just a terribly run franchise. Uh, but the the light in the darkness for them, I think, is Damian Pierce, very talented running back. I just don't see them being able to win very many games this year. They're certainly going to be a bottom feeder. But I do believe, I think their schedule favored them uh, a little bit more than the Colts, uh, who I have finishing fourth at 3-14. and 14. I'm not an Anthony Richardson believer at all. I think he's going to have a really reckless and wild year. And it's it's going to be you know it's going to be interesting to watch and develop. It, p- perhaps he turns into kind of a guy, but I think that there's no stability at all with the Colts, and that this is their what like sixth year in a row with a new starting quarterback. There's no reason f- for me to believe that they'll be dangerous in any way this year. We'll keep talking to the Colts just for a second while we're right on them here. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with that. That they've been an unstable organization, and but I disagree that the fact that I like Richardson at least long term. I like his tools and that, but I like you said I don't. I don't think that they're going to be quite as as good this year. Right, and it could change if Jonathan Taylor ends up actually playing for them. Um, as of now, they're not going to trade him. Uh, they announced, um, but we don't know if he's actually going to end up playing for them. But even so, I, I, they're not a good team in any in any stretch of the word. Uh, Texans also, I think we both agree, they're they're definitely a bottom feeder. Yeah, and really not much of anything when you're reading off their depth chart. Really not a lot of receiver. You have Nico Collins, Robert Woods, Noah Brown. It's like really nothing much there. I mean, you have Dalton Schultz. Very thin. Who is going to be helpful to Stroud, hopefully be a safety net for him. But And then, of course, them trading their first-round pick this year in order to select Will Anderson is, I think, going to turn out to be a very bad move for them. Yes, yes. And the Titans, of course, the big topic of discussion the last couple of years. And once again, we're, we find ourselves at, at different ends of it. Oh, I, thought, I thought we've given this up. I thought we've come to grips on this already. <laughs> but here we are, yet again. Yes. <laughs> this, what has changed? Has Hopkins moved the needle for you that much? Um, no, but because I think that the Titans were a 10-7 and team last year. And if had Tannehill not gotten hurt, they would have easily hit that number. And they almost won the division. Even in the last week, they, they were very close to winning the division. And I just think that with Hopkins, he is a great receiver. And even with um, Kyler Murray in Arizona, he was still able to provide them with a spark. So I just think that in addition to what they already have in Henry, who, yes, he may fall off, but I don't. until that happens, I'm not going to predict it to happen. And Tennessee is just one of those teams, like the Patriots and Steelers. They're always going to be there haunting your dreams. I just can't see their offense being dangerous at all. I mean, that's kind of where we were last year as well. And for myself... I don't know that I have a lot of belief in DeAndre Hopkins to really prop up that offense. I definitely do. And I could, for me, I could easily see Tannehill being benched for one of the rookies or young quarterbacks yet again. I definitely as do not. Tennessee tries to figure out what they have going forward, because I mean, again, like we kept, I kept bringing this up over and over how bad their offense was last year, and ended up finishing with just seventeen and a half points per game, which was twenty eighth in the league. 
Not going to happen this year. You know, you can hope that maybe maybe it will get a little bit better, but I still can't see it being anywhere near good enough to compete in the AFC. Well, yes, we, uh, yet again we come at a deadlock here, <laughs> and uh, once the season starts, I think you'll start to come around. <laughs> but uh, I, I did come around to Jacksonville this year, and and, and we both agree that they're going to be a force. Yes, I, I definitely do. Uh, like I said, for me, one of the more fun teams to watch. I love watching Tre- Trevor Lawrence, very good quarterback. And honestly, I would not be surprised at all to see him sniffing around the MVP conversation this year. Yes, absolutely. And like, I don't know how much there more there is to say about this. That I think that they're pretty much a shoe-in playoff team based on their division. For sure, for sure. And I think Calvin Ridley surprises people. I think people forgot how good he actually was. Right. And a two-year absence, like he's going to come back and, and shock some people, I think. Um, and yeah, so that's AFC South. We we agree on on most things, I would say, except for the Titans there. And on we move to the NFC South. And in my opinion, this is without a doubt the worst division in the league this year. And so take it away, Scott. Not much talent here. I would quite agree with this one. And this is one of the ones where you sit and you think, well, somebody's got to win this division, so somebody's got to be a playoff team. Yeah. So who to pick? And for me, I ended up settling on the Atlanta Falcons to win this division and picking them with a quite a surprising record of 11-6. and six. Wow, that, that is surprising. Wow. Same as Detroit, huh? Yes, I do. I mean, again, based on their schedule, as I was going through and picking their games as we were doing this, I kept selecting them to win, and I, I do kind of like the pieces that they put together. They have really vastly improved their defense this year, and I think enough to be a top-10 unit going into the season. And some of the pieces that they put on the offense, if they can get Desmond Ritter to just have average quarterback play, which I think he was close to that in the couple of games we did see from him last year, they could compete and win this division. Uh, up in second in this division, I have the New Orleans Saints at 8-9, and nine, just shyly missing the playoffs. Uh, New Orleans is a team, for me, that I think, again, may prove to be frustrating watching as they may take on a little bit of style, it's like, okay, can you do more things, incorporate more players, be a little bit more creative? They, they brought in Derek Carr, who I know at some points this year, the, the Saints were very heavily favored to win this division just because Carr is the most uh, stable quarterback and best quarterback in the division, I would say, like pretty easily. Yeah, very easily. But I don't believe overall in the pieces that New Orleans have. They have a lot of veteran pieces. And they were kind of stuck with what they had to do based on the cap ramifications that they've put themselves into over the last several years. But I do have them missing the playoffs just. Very good point. They've been pretty reckless with their money. And next up in that division, I have the Carolina Panthers. With, a, I think, a little bit of a surprising record for what I thought of them, maybe, at 8-9. So the Panthers come in, which, of course, traded for the number one overall pick and selecting Bryce Young. And I felt like I didn't want to predict them super high, to be honest. But the more I kind of read into them and what they've got going on, I do think that they've got a really solid team around Bryce Young, and he's a very solid prospect in general. He's he's a more polished prospect, and I, is not going to be super erratic with the ball, and has a lot of it caused you to lose the game, but I don't think he's to the point yet where he's going to win. 
I think they did a good job building up that defense there. I would have liked to see some more pieces on the offense to help Bryce Young, and I think they will get there eventually. Well, Thielen, I mean, he could prove to be a veteran presence. I hope so. I mean, and Hayden Hurst is a decent piece, but I don't think they've quite enough, again, to really compete this year, but could be around that wild card race. And then finally in this division, I had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 7-10. And, and I know both of us had, especially you, had really been Baker Mayfield stands for quite some time. Yes. And I feel like I liked that move better than most people did. But in Tampa Bay, we did see a lot of their struggles that were propped up quite heavily by Tom Brady and a very, very inefficient run game. In Tampa Bay, as well as a really beat up and losing some on the offensive line coming into the year, I just have a little bit of a harder time seeing them compete in that division. Although, like we said, this division is open and not a lot of talent, and somebody's going to win. And I mean, that's kind of where I ended up picking these teams to be all kind of middling again, like they were last year. Without, although I did end up picking Atlanta to be a little bit farther ahead. Right. It's be interesting to see what you have to say about this division. Yes, and I was very surprised with your picks, especially the Falcons, because as I recall, I was fairly high in Atlanta last year when they started to win, and, and you saw right through the kind of fraudulent uh, resume that they had. But, yeah, 11 wins, very surprising. I certainly did not have that this year. I had the New Orleans Saints at number one with a record of 9-8. and eight. And, uh, you know, the Saints very stable organization but also at the same time kind of some poor decisions with salary cap situations i have no idea why michael thomas is still on the team he never stays healthy he seems like a toxic personality and i just don't like some of the toxic things going on here with alvin Kamara going to be suspended for the first few games hasn't even looked that good when he played the last we saw him you have Derek carr coming in who had a fairly underwhelming year last year so the Saints, I just don't see where they're going to be able to be a contender this year. I, I think they they benefit from having you know just a terrible division, and nine and eight is is going to be a generous record prediction for them. They're certainly not going to be as good as that uh, in terms of you know their actual play. But I do think they get the nine wins just by nature of the fact that they have a very weak division. And number two, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers finishing at seven and ten. And as much as I wanted to put to pencil Baker Mayfield in as my comeback player of the year. I just I could not do it. Uh, the Buccaneers struggled with Tom Brady, and who who is to say that Baker is going to be an improvement over that? I certainly am not. The offensive line, like you said, having some issues already with Ryan Jensen being out for the entire year. Although Baker has some good targets, I just don't believe in Todd Bowles as a head coach or the Buccaneers as an organization, and 7-10 and is as far as they will go. At number three, I do have the Atlanta Falcons at 6-11. and 11. With the Falcons and Panthers, I see uh, two very young teams, kind of developing teams. They don't really know where their identity is yet, and they're kind of they're, they're depending on their quarterbacks. Are they going to be guys in the NFL, or are they going to have to kind of restart? I do like the Falcons' offensive talent, I would say, more than the Panthers. In B. John Robinson, looking like a very good quarterback out of Texas. Drake London it was a guy that I thought had a very good year last year. And Kyle Pitts, one of the best tight ends. However, I think that it's not going to be enough. I don't believe in Desmond Ritter as a great quarterback. And 
I, I just don't see this Falcons team being able to even replicate the momentum they had last year because I believe they benefited from kind of a weaker schedule last year. They should face similar challenges this year, and they should look very similar as well in terms of play. And at number four, I do have the Carolina Panthers sitting at rock bottom of this division and nearly rock bottom of the conference at 3-14. and 14. I, I have not liked what I've seen from the Panthers in the preseason at all. Their offensive line looks just absolutely putrid. Bryce Young, has, I don't even know how good he looks because he I really didn't get a chance to see him in a clean pocket. They have some some guys that we know their names, like Miles Sanders, Adam Thielen, Hayden Hurst, even DJ Chark. But I, I this is a very young, developing team in terms of their their core pieces. And I just this kind of seems like a team without an identity right now. It just seems like, all right, this is a year where we got our quarterback and now we're going to start developing maybe the year after. So three and fourteen is I think it, you know, that's gonna be a pretty accurate reflection on their actual talent level. Yeah, I guess we really had quite a record difference in terms of Carolina. And honestly, where I ended up predicting them was probably a little touch higher than I maybe was intending to as I went through my record predictions. And I, I seem to always have at least one team that does that. Right, right. But I, I do kind of agree with you on this point that it's going to be a little bit more of a rebuilding year for them, and I can't really see them contending based on where they are until they really reload some pieces on offense some more. Right. It, I guess it depends on how much of a Bryce Young believer you are. Right. And the Falcons, uh, we couldn't disagree more, I, I think, on the Falcons and when you had them at 11-6, and six, and I had them at 6-11. and 11. <laughs> Right. So kind of the way I view the Falcons, I think that the way their offense is going to run, it's going to be more efficient this year and bring them a little bit higher even up than they were last year. Because even where they were with Marcus Mariota at the home, they were still able to be average in the league in terms of points four at 15th, and they really kind of fumbled away some games. And, like, I don't know that I could see them fumbling away the games that they did and coming a little bit back more to the mean in that way. And, like I said, I think their defense is going to be much, much improved. I like a lot of what they've done for their defense this year in terms of additions. And that gives me enough confidence to, for me to say that I like and landed the most out of those teams. Right, and, and and I could certainly see them being better than Tampa Bay. Like Tampa Bay with somebody that it's the seven wins ahead of Atlanta is more of a prayer because I could easily see that going south um, very quickly. And I could see Todd Bowles getting fired. I could see Baker getting benched and it's just getting very ugly there and maybe kind of a tire fire. Because they, they start out with a pretty rough stretch uh, early in the year. So I, I definitely could see maybe Atlanta getting a couple more wins at the expense of Tampa Bay. But I, I just don't think Atlanta is very talented. And unfortunately, I don't think Tampa Bay has any semblance of an identity at this point. Yeah, Despite the fact that they have two very marquee receivers in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I don't think it's going to be enough to really help prop up that team and bring them to be competitive. Yes, I agree. And the Saints just seem very mediocre. And I, I just just I want to predict them at nine and eight just out of respect for the organization and for Derek Carr. But just a they're gonna be a very boring team to watch, I think, this year. Yeah, I I agree. And I think a lot I'm gonna come in a lot of weeks saying like 
they should just let themselves bottom out, and they're not going to do that. Yes, it would be in their best interest to, yeah, exactly, get one of those top picks. The worst thing you could do is the thing that they're going to do and kind of be a middling team with no hope of making the playoffs or or, or doing damage in the playoffs, I should say. Yeah, because they could definitely make the playoffs. They could Easily. definitely win that division. In that division, yeah. But they would get absolutely steamrolled Exactly. in the first round. And that wraps it up for the NFC South and the AFC South. And now we move on to a much better division and possibly the second best division in the league, in my opinion, the AFC East. So the AFC East, for many years, was ruled by the New England Patriots with not a lot of good teams uh, to kind of help you in that division or be fun to watch in between. Yes. But that seems to have flipped the script quite a lot this season. And the AFC East seems to look like quite a gauntlet to get through. So I'll get into my predictions here. So winning this division, I still have the Buffalo Bills at 13-4. and four. I, I still really do believe in this Bills team and what they've put together. And they're, for me, one of those teams that people are going to say they can't win until they do it. And I very well could see that being that year or maybe even just being a season where they maybe even they don't look as great in the regular season as they had in certain ones, but become potent in the postseason, which is, I think, kind of what Kansas City did last year. And in this division, I have coming in second the Miami Dolphins at 10-7 and seven and narrowly missing the postseason. Miami's a team that I feel like I stuck up for a lot at the end of the year, although it's very... <laughs> Uh, very reluctant to get on board with to start with. I think we've seen enough from Tua to prove that he's a good enough quarterback, but of course we have lots of questions about his health. And then Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waller being a very amazing duo. But I don't think that Vic Fangio really has these amazing powers like everybody thinks he does to come in and turn around a Dolphins defense that much. And while I do think they're going to be an explosive team, they're just going to miss out on the postseason party in the AFC. Yeah, I agree. That defense is still a concern. Despite the media seems to gloss over it, I'm not so sure that they're going to perform. Right. Uh, next up, I have the New York Jets at 9-8. and eight. They're a team that's gotten a really lot of hype, and a team that I did kind of want to include in this, but there were other teams that I just liked better overall in the AFC and I feel like we'll talk about them some more once we recap again. Making the playoffs at 9-8? No, I'm missing out on the playoffs at 9-8. Yes. And, and then finally in this division, I have the New England Patriots at 5-12. and 12. And of course, being the New England Patriots, they are probably going to over-exceed this prediction that I have for them, which I believe was maybe the same prediction I had last year for them. <laughs> I just don't see very much at all on this Patriots team. Especially that offense, I don't see them being much of anything at all, and therefore finishing at five and twelve. All right, yes. So we disagree on quite a lot in this division, I would say. Um, and yeah, let me get right into it. So I think number one, I would have the Jets winning this division at twelve and five, and I am buying into the hype. I know it's it may be a trap, most certainly is a trap, but I'm going to walk right into it willingly. And with a smile on my face, because this is one of the, it's going to be one of those fun teams this year. I, I'm already looking forward to that week one Monday night matchup between the Bills and the Jets. I mean, what an incredible week one matchup is that going to be? That's going to be absolutely incredible. The Jets have a lot of talent. They have, of 
course, four-time MVP, one-time Super Bowl winner, Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback column. They have a very talented young receiver in Garrett Wilson, and they have maybe the best running back duo in the league with Cook and Hall. Their defense was exceptional last year. They carried them to seven wins. I believe they will replicate that again, and that will be enough to take the East this year. Combine that with the regression of my number two team in the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills, coming in at 10-7. and seven. And I have not liked what I have seen from Buffalo after their playoff loss last year, especially with the Stefan Diggs drama. And it's not nothing. Um, don't pretend it's nothing because it certainly is not. Sean McDermott looked very concerned at first, and he kind of backed it up. I don't know what's going on there. I've heard rumors that Diggs wants to be more involved in the play calling, which is nothing but bad, I think. I don't kind of like the noise there. Who knows how long Von Miller is going to be off. I do like a lot of the – I loved their draft. I think they had a really good draft. But I don't think it's realistic to expect their rookie additions to come in right away and be major contributors. So I think they're taking a step back this year to take a step forward later. So it's not like this, this empire is going to fall. I just think that maybe this year is kind of a step back year for them. Kind of a, not a rebuild, but kind of a, uh, a repair, I guess you could say. At number three, I do have the New England Patriots at nine and eight, just missing the playoffs. Again, the Patriots, um, always one of those teams that are sniffing around and winning games that they shouldn't be. Um, they still managed to be pretty good. Well, not pretty good, but decent last year considering they had no offensive coordinator (laughs) and this year they committed to that they committed to mac jones by dropping bailey zappy interestingly so i think mac jones will be much closer to how he looked in his rookie year and lead the patriots close to the playoffs wouldn't be surprised if they snuck in and at number four i have the miami dolphins at eight and nine and this is a pick that i could very well regret because i think that Tua. Is to his health this year is the biggest X factor in the AFC. If he's healthy, this Dolphins team I think could potentially go 11 and 6, 12 and 5, and win the division even with the weak defense because he looked incredible on the offense last year. But I just am not counting. Uh, unfortunately, I think he will not be able to hold up. He's shown that he's very injury prone, although very talented, and I think that it's just too risky for the Dolphins this year. A tentative 8-9 and nine is where I have them. I mean, I would agree with that. And like we said, back to my point about the defense, I, I think that's going to be where one of their bigger points where they're going to struggle this year as well. Yes. I think that they're I'm a lot lower on the defense than some people are. And what they've done to retool hasn't quite been enough. I mean, already losing Jalen Ramsey at corner, although I, I never believed that was as big of an addition either. Yeah, I agree. But for the Dolphins, they are a very explosive team. I, I would definitely give them that. But I think overall, they're going to still end up on the outside looking in in the AFC, despite having a, a high-flying offense, or could have a high-flying offense. Yes, yes. And the Patriots, just not enough firepower, I think. The lack of of weapons anywhere on the team is really going to do them in. You know, I, I think it's a shame because a young quarterback like Mac Jones, he needs those pieces around him to do well. And I don't think he's, you know, I think he's a, a has the opportunity to be a decent quarterback in the league, but the way that they have kind of developed him has been terrible so far. Yeah. I just don't see enough on that offense at all. 
I mean, the uh, wide receiver core of Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae Parker, and Kendrick Bourne really does not excite me at all. Not at all, not in the slightest. And for the Bills, I think a team that we probably wildly disagree on, and uh, you know, I mentioned this taking them them taking a step back, um, and you had them, I believe, thirteen and four, and uh, one number one seed at thirteen and four. Yes, number one seed at thirteen and four. Although I did have three different teams tying for thirteen and four, but Buffalo taking it with the tiebreaker. So you think that the Bills are, are going to be none the worse for wear? I do believe that. I, I think that they, they really lost a lot last season in terms of injuries. I think you may see, like even down the stretch, even with the eye test of their offense not looking quite as good down the stretch, it was still grading out as a top five offense with Josh Allen's bum elbow and uh, even all that had gone on with that defense going into the, the playoffs. I, I think it's going to come back very strong, their defenses. I mean, they do have a, a big question at middle linebacker, but I'm not sure how important off-ball linebacker really is. Right, yeah. Good point, though. Good point about about the and, injuries. And for for me, Kincaid was not a good pick. Going, It would be hypocritical of me to say that it is, because going into that draft, I remember saying, like, anything but a tight end in round one for me. I, I think it could have been... It would have been good to pick up a tight end for depth, but I think that was a bad asset management for the Bills. And really, I don't see Kincaid getting that involved in the offense this year. I see him going more around like 350 yards and four touchdowns, the way I'm looking at it. But I do like some of the pieces that they brought in this year in terms of receivers, like uh, Deontay Hardy and uh, Trent Sherfield. Right, right. And I think the Bills, I, I like the Kincaid pick because, well, I like it on principle at least. I don't know how the player is going to end up turning out because I think they, they kind of looked at Kansas City. It's like, well, we have a, a great quarterback. We have a great receiver. We have a great coach. But they have Travis Kelsey. And every single game he destroys us. He destroys everyone he faces. They, I think they kind of wanted in on that tight end action. And I, you know, I, I, would, I would have liked any receiving threat pick that they took. I think Kincaid is a receiving threat pick, so in that sense, I do like the pick on principle. As a Bills fan, I hope that that does pan out, but I just have serious doubts that it will this year. Right. Yeah. Oh, I agree with that for sure. I think that's why they kind of take a step back this year because they didn't directly address their needs uh, to the extent that I would have liked them to. And the defense also, on a kind of a side note, with Leslie Frazier not being there, I know that a lot of Bills fans were frustrated with him and some of their recent playoff losses with the defense not showing up. But throughout the regular season, they're always in the top, you know, top 10, top 5 most of the year. So I, I don't think that's nothing. I mean, it's something. You know, who knows how big of a deal it ends up being. But I think that definitely is a cause for at least a little bit of concern. Yes, I could see that. And with the Jets, uh, you know, I clearly believe that Rodgers is going to return to the form that he looked like in 2021 rather than 2022. If you look, watch Green Bay's games last year, which I watched most of them, most all of them, and he didn't look like a guy that was old and washed. He looked like a guy that was frustrated with his receiving talent. Now, you may say, well, what? how much better is that in New York? But... I think New York has won a much better defense, and they just have more momentum, and they do have more receiving talent in a number one guy like Garrett Wilson. They also have the offensive coordinator of Nathaniel Hackett there as well, also bringing in Lazard. I think there's just more, they're more set up than the Packers, where the Packers were in a rebuild. The Jets are ready right now. I think Rodgers 
MVP form is going to come back and they're going to make a run. Uh, where I kind of sit with Rodgers is I I was never really on either end of him being coming back to elite or being completely washed out. I think he's a little bit more in the I'm a little bit more in the middle in terms of that. I, I think they agree that Garrett Wilson's a good receiver and they have a decent core there. Where my biggest I guess hold up on the Jets is is looking at their schedule. I mean they have an absolute gauntlet to start the season. You start out playing Buffalo at Dallas, New England. Kansas City at Denver and then Philadelphia. Brutal stretch. Absolutely brutal playing the Bills, Chiefs, and Eagles, who I think are probably two or three of the top Super Bowl odded teams coming right. into the season. And so, Dallas too, it. Yeah, and Dallas. I mean, as well as Dallas. I mean, I could easily see things going off the rails here quickly, and for their sake, I hope that they wouldn't overreact too badly to something like that because I could easily see them coming out of the gates like two and four. Yeah. Or th- oh, yeah. Or, or even. Like one, one and five. five, like I don't know that I would predict that, but I could see that comp. I could see that happening, and myself being like, "Hey, maybe they're better than they actually say they are right here," and people wigging out and all that. But I could see that definitely affecting how the rest of their season goes, and them making some kind of sweeping change, or Rodgers becoming disgruntled yet again early in the year. Right, I, I think that you know, the, the, if that happens, New York media is gonna blow it up. It's gonna be in the headlines every single day, and you're gonna see that. You know, the videos of Rodgers on it, the receiver, and you're going to see him pointing fingers. They'll be fine. They will be fine. They're, they're too talented not to be fine, I think. And and also, I think this is not the year. This is not we're all in this year and it's over if we don't win. Rodgers, is, he, re, he, structured, he restructured his contract $35 million, the largest pay cut in NFL history. And that I think that shows commitment to the team. I think this is a two-year, at least a two-year thing. This is just the first of those two years. So not the end of the world if you don't fulfill the expectations of, you know, being one of the top AFC teams. And with that, we go on to the NFC East, where we have the Cowboys, Eagles, Commanders, and Giants. Why don't you take this away? So again, heading back over to the NFC here. In a conference where, again, I find it wide open, and really, there's not a team that I really loved to take that top seed. So for me, it kind of fell to Philadelphia, who I had t- taken the top seed at 14-3. and three. And maybe I feel like that was even a bit of a high record for them. Because I could see them taking a bit of a step back due to lo- losing both their offensive coordinators, despite having the all the talent that they undeniably do. And in second in that division, I had the Dallas Cowboys going 11-6. and six. Dallas, of course, another one of those teams taking in all the media and all the hype every year. And But I do have some drawbacks about them, which I'll get into a little bit later as well. 9 and 8, you said, for them? 11 and 6, 11 I have six, Dallas six. going. And next up in that division, I had the Philadelphia Eagles. I had the New York Giants going 7 and 10. For me... Whoa. The Giants were a team that had maybe a little bit more... They certainly got in off of good coaching, and I think maybe a little bit of good luck as well. And they're a team that I could easily see fall out of the playoff picture this year. And again, a team that I could probably see in, just based on the nature of the NFC. And then finishing up in last in this division, I have the Washington Commanders at 4-13. and I'm not a believer in Sam Howell. And I think they may come to regret what they've done there. 
although they do have Jacoby Brissett there to back him off if things were to go off the rails. I, I do like some of the pieces they have in Washington, but I do think they're going to be more of a bottom feeder this season. Yes, and I would agree with most of what you said here, uh, with maybe one key exception here. So number one in the division, I have the Dallas Cowboys at 12-5 and five winning this division. And recently we've seen uh, the Cowboys sign Trey Lance. We've seen Jerry Jones kind of giving Dak a little bit of some – he's been kind of bristly on that. I think Dak comes out with a vengeance. I think Dak has been extremely underrated by the media. He throws a really nice football. He's got a lot of talent. I think the Cowboys take the division this year. This I'm not ready to uh, pick the Eagles to win because it's been a long time since we've te- seen the same team win this division more than once. Um, and I don't think that happens this year. I think Cowboys take this division with 12 wins. And number two, I have the Eagles at 11-6. and six. They will almost certainly regress this year, uh, Super Bowl hangover, losing the Super Bowl. I think they got they benefited from a lot of extraordinary things last year. The defense was historically good. The D-line was incredible. The turnover ratio was absolutely miraculous, and they lost both their offensive coordinators. They lost Miles Sanders, which is not a small thing. I think Jalen Hurts played really well last year, and he keeps, keeps his team propped up but I'm just not confident that they can replicate all the miraculous things that they did last year. Although they certainly will be a good team at 11-6, I don't think it'll be enough to win the division. At number three, we have the New York Giants at 8-9, and and kind of an unimpressive team, nothing at receiver. Uh, Daniel Jones, kind of a middling quarterback, very good coaching, but kind of along the same lines as the New England Patriots with really nothing to support Daniel Jones with other than a good running game. And at last, we have the Commies at 5 and 12. And this year is already a huge success getting rid of Dan Snyder, the owner, and possibly uh, discussing changing the team name. So go, go Commies. <laughs> I, I didn't like that nickname for them. Yes. <laughs> yes. It needs to go, though. It needs to go. Yeah, in terms of Washington, I like McLaurin. I like Dodson. Like I said, I don't like Howell. I don't see really enough at all in terms of the talent they have on that team to compete with roster spot, and I don't trust Ron Vera either as coach to be able to help bring them to that. I think he gets fired this year. Oh, yeah, I certainly believe that. And honestly, I don't really have a whole lot other than that to say about Washington. No, no, yeah. They're, they're not to be taken seriously, at least for now. Uh, and the Giants, I think we both agree that they, they take a step back. And last year was just kind of, not a fluke, but it was miraculous, to say the least. It almost reminds me a lot of what Buffalo did like when they made the playoffs that year with Tyrod Taylor and then ended up taking a year back to kind of rebuild. And I kind of hope that's what the Giants do for their team's sake and they try and invest in a little bit more in that offense. Mm-hmm. I like Daniel Jones, and I, I liked the move to sign him. Because uh, people were like, well, why would you sign? You know, he's such a middling guy. I think, well, yeah, that's pretty good. Like, if you look at a lot of these teams, they wish they had Daniel Jones. I think, you you know, last year showed that he can at least uh, be competitive in, in a weaker conference. So I just really didn't like how they failed to, to build around him at all this year. And I can't really say you can expect them to be good, although the New York media certainly will. Uh, and the Eagles... You have them at fourteen and three, I, I believe. And, I do, 
and probably I assume the number one seed. Yes. So yeah, I, I Eagles are very talented. I like Jalen Hurts. I don't love Jalen Hurts. I think he had a great year last year and a great Super Bowl. But uh, with the the coaching stability being shaken up a little bit, I just don't think they're going to be able to uh, achieve the success they had last year. I almost didn't, like I said, as I was reading that prediction, I almost wish I had predicted it lower. But it's just kind of where it ended up as I was as we do these season predictions, we have a simulator we use to predict game by game to make sure they come out accurate. And I just kept not wanting to predict the Eagles to lose. <laughs> right, right. Because you see that, it's, you know, how can we, how can the Eagles lose this game, right? They're the Eagles. And, you know, they made the Super Bowl last year and that was great. But yeah, it's certainly, it, they could certainly be a team that burns me here because I could certainly see them being that team that wins the conference. But you gotta, you gotta stick with your picks, I guess. <laughs> And then Dallas, for me, when it comes to Dallas, I really do like their roster a lot, but I think they are going to be done in eventually by team philosophy. The reason that I do believe that is, is when I'm looking back on quotes made by Mike McCarthy with the firing of Kellen Moore happened, McCarthy said that uh, Moore was wanting to light up the scoreboard, whereas McCarthy wants to run the ball to rest his defense. And following up there, his quote was, I don't desire to be the number one offense in the league. I want to be the number one team in the league with a number of wins and a championship. And if we got to give up some production and take care of the ball better to do that, then that's what we'll do because we have a really good defense. Mm-hmm. I think that could end up being the demise of the Cowboys eventually, bringing in Brian Schottenheimer and then, of course, and McCarthy calling the plays, that he's going to want to be too conservative when the big moments come. And I, I do believe that Dallas is going to be a good team, as I predicted them to have 11 wins, but I think they could just fizzle out in the postseason when they really need a productive offense. And the reasons that you listed that McCarthy, quote, um, for your doubts on them is precisely the reasons that I love the Cowboys more this year than I loved them any other year before. I mean, if you look at Dak Prescott's record of, I, I can't remember the exact stat, I probably should have looked this up, but it, it's it, it's insane. The, the pass attempts, when he throws more, suffice it to say, they do far worse. I think he is a great quarterback, or he's a good quarterback. He's not quite an elite one, so I think that a strong running game is going to be huge for them. I think McCarthy is right on saying they have a great defense, and he's trying to build an identity around that team. That team, it's been, they're, they're so dramatic. They're always in the media, the Dallas Cowboys, we need to be flashy, we need to be this, we need to be that. No, let's focus on the fundamentals. We have a good team. Let's draw, let's lean around our running game. Dak is good enough to be a game manager which is not an insult you know people think it is it's not they're good enough to win 12 games leaning on the run game and you still have the upside of Dak being able to throw for big numbers without the downside of leaning on him and him eventually failing you like he has always done so I think their, their philosophy this year is precisely why I do like them so I see we disagree quite a bit about the Cowboys in that fact but one thing I do like about them is the addition of Brandon Cooks. I think it really does give them a better weapon on the outside, being able to stretch the field, because Dak Prescott was really forced into throwing in the middle so much with CeeDee Lamb as his main receiver last season. I think that's going to lessen the interceptions as well because he's not throwing into quite as tight of areas with that fact. Yes. So I, I would. So I think it is going to help their offense to see them 
some more vertical throws. Although I will say I would have liked to see them keep Dalton Schultz. I think that's going to prove to be a little more costly than they thought because uh, he's a great tight end. I think they, they're going to miss that a little bit this year. Yeah, I agree. And all right, yeah, on to the AFC West here where it's some interesting things developing. Um, will the Broncos prove to be a threat to the Chiefs? We shall find out. But take it away. So in this division, I have at number one the Kansas City Chiefs at 13-4. and four. Of course, being the Super Bowl champions yet again, and one of the favorites to repeat, the Chiefs are coming in with a pretty big expectation down their shoulders, although having probably walking out the weakest receiver room that they have in the Patrick Mahomes era. That does give me a bit of pause in trying to select where they might be, especially competing for the number one seed, although I do have them in a part of that three-way tie for the number one seed. And in number two in this division, I have the LA Chargers at 11-6. and six. And for me, I do think that the Chargers are really going to have a rebound season and potentially even get some places in the playoffs with a healthy Justin Herbert and the changes they made to bring in Kellen Moore at offensive coordinator. And I really hope that he can take the reins and keep it out of Brandon Staley's hands and they make some better decisions for their players. And then up next in the division, I have the Denver Broncos at 6-11. and 11. For me personally, I'm not a big believer that Sean Payton is going to come in and just completely flip the Broncos on their head and become a competitive team. And I just don't have a ton of belief, even though I do realize that they had a lot of injury last year, especially at the receiver, and just the absolute craziness of Nathaniel Hackett. I still don't really believe in the Broncos to be competitive in the AFC. And then up and last in this division, I have the Las Vegas Raiders at 4-13. I think they've lost some talent again on this team, and I just don't, again, have much belief that they can really do much of anything in a loaded AFC and in a loaded AFC West division. Right, and I agree with pretty much all the points here. Uh, number one, I do have the Chiefs as well, 13-4 uh, and four, uh, with the number one spot in the AFC. The Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, as long as he's there, they're always going to be a contender. He's just a, just a quarterback talent that you see once in a lifetime. Uh, you know, definitely on career watch to be maybe the greatest of all time so far. At this point in his career, what he's done is pretty much unparalleled. So the Chiefs 13-4 is always a safe pick. Uh, number two, I have the Chargers at 9-8. and eight, I think they do not take a step forward. I think they take a step back. But for the greater good, I do think <laughs> um, Brandon Staley is a terrible coach. And he will almost certainly, I think, get fired at the end of the year. But I think he may even get fired during the year after they kind of have a rough start i believe they'll have a rough start and maybe come on strong later and i believe it's for the best that kellen moore takes the reins as the head coach and very talented team with justin herbert there i can't predict them to go worse than around nine and eight but i do think that they do take a step back here number three denver broncos it's seven and ten and the best thing they could have done was get Sean Payton as their coach. It was a great move because Nate Hackett was a disaster. But I do think that Russell Wilson it was also a disaster. And until that they can until they can figure out that, which looks like they're going to be stuck with him for a while, they're just not good enough to do anything in the AFC. It's just a loaded conference, and they, they should be a bit more stable. But 
they lack a lot of things, most notably the quarterback, they're not going to be much of a threat. Number four, the Las Vegas Raiders, and this team is a dumpster fire. Um, they're they've maybe the worst run organization in the league. I don't trust Josh McDaniels as a head coach at all. His track record has not been good. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo barely passed his physical, and he hasn't been looking great. So the Raiders, I don't see them being able to do anything at all. Yeah, even despite some of the talent that they've got there or have had, I feel like last year we were high on the Raiders, having players like Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro and even last year's rushing title leader Josh Jacobs and a really game-wrecking edge rusher in Max Crosby. Yes. That organization just is so poorly run and so poorly coached that I think that, again, they're going to be more of a bottom feeder in this in this league and in this conference. Yeah, I think six wins is generous, a uh, generous prediction, especially because I'm – I think Devontae Adams may end up requesting a trade at some point during the year as well, which would be disastrous for them, but maybe for the best uh, for him for sure. Uh, The Broncos, I think we both agree, not a very good team. Um, Sean Payton is certainly something. I don't know if that's going to prove to be a distraction, yet another distraction with his comments that he's been making, but um, just he inherited just a terrible situation with that Russell Wilson contract. He certainly has. And with some of the comments he's making, he better have some results to back it up because he has made some serious accusations about this team and about people who still own and run this team. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been entertaining. It's definitely brought a spark. But I worry that it might be yet another distraction for this team. Yes. And the Chargers, we disagree on probably the most out of the teams in this division. Uh, with with uh, Brandon Staley, I just don't trust him at all. I, I know I went all out on the Chargers last year and you know, had them going to the Super Bowl and you know Brandon Staley as uh, <laughs> coach of the year, but that's not going to happen this year. I, I just I don't believe him at all anymore as a coach. For me, I, I do think that the addition of Kellen Moore is really going to help this team, and I really love their wide receiver room: Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Joshua Palmer, and they recent draftee Quentin Johnston should help stretch the field as well for Herbert and you know one of the most surprising things I heard about this team is how the Chargers had one of the lowest depth of target average depth of target target in the league when you have a quarterback that is good as Herbert and I think we can agree he has one of the strongest arms in the league why are you not throwing it past the sticks ever Right, right. Herbert is just, he's got a cannon, and he's extremely accurate and talented. Like, again, just wasted opportunities. So I think with two of the best go-up-and-get-it receivers in the league, probably Mike Williams and Quentin Johnston, they're really going to do that more under the help of Kellen Moore, or at least I really hope they do. Yeah, their, their, their receiving core is loaded. For their sake, I really do hope that they unlock that offense. I, mean, I think that was probably the biggest issue with this Charger team is the situations that they coaches put their players in they were not helping them succeed at all that's true that's true and again they had one of the worst run games last year with a back of austin eckler's caliber how is that even possible like that that's just unacceptable so maybe maybe you're on something there with with the charters but i just think maybe brandon staley brings them down too much and the chiefs what can you say i mean they're good every year they're, they're going to continue to be good you don't dare pick them to not be good <laughs> Yes, even with the holdout of Chris Jones, who is an amazing player. Right, right. 
And with a week as the receiver core as they have this year, I think it's probably even weaker than it was last year when people had questions about it. I mean, we both liked it at the time. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of a question about who the number one is. I mean, Kadarius Tony is a player I liked a lot, but again, it's very often injured and already is. MVS, mm-hmm. I think, is a good role player receiver, but I wouldn't want him as my number one. Right. And Sky Moore, again, is a player I really, really liked coming out of the draft. And it could be a big target for Mahomes in the slot. Yeah, I think the Chiefs kind of following the same philosophy that the Packers did for a little while. And we're not going to invest in why would we invest in a receiver when we know our pass game is going to be good. We have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So it's going to be good either way. Let's put our money somewhere else. Um, whether that pays off or not remains to be seen. But the Chiefs are going to be just fine, I think. Yeah, and absolutely should be competing for one of the top spots in the conference. Yes, that is true. And now we move on to the last division, the NFC West. And a division that looks quite a bit different now than it did a couple of years ago. And what do you have here? Yeah, certainly. I mean, a couple of years ago, we were saying this is one of the most loaded divisions in the league. And now it seems not so much. So in this one, again, like I had said about the NFC, I feel like I've had a harder time wanting to pick teams that I really liked. And winning this division, I do have the San Francisco 49ers at 11-6. and six, But I don't believe that they should be as well regarded as they are. I just don't have the faith and the confidence to say, okay, I'm 100% confident, I'm sure that Brock Purdy's the guy. I just really am not. Like, I could almost see that in some scenario having it crash and burn. But, again, I will still pick the 49ers to win that division. And coming up next in that division, I have the Seattle Seahawks at 9-8. and eight. So Seattle's a team, again, in that muddled NFC, but I do think has a very good wide receiver core, obviously with Lockett, Metcalf, and Smith and Jigba. I think with a, a good enough quarterback in Geno Smith to help lead them into the playoffs. And then after that, I have the Los Angeles Rams at 6-11, coming off a Super Bowl win two years ago, and then just having a very failed season last year. You have to wonder what kind of what happened to the Rams, but looking at their team, I don't have a lot of hopes for them, and finishing more towards the middle or the bottom of the NFC yet again. And then coming up last in that division, I have the Arizona Cardinals, finishing at 2-15. At a very lowly record yeah. and boasting one of the worst rosters in the NFL. Yeah, I completely agree with the Cardinals. Uh, at 2-15, and 15, I have them at the exact same record. Um, I guess we'll go bottom up for this one. So, yeah, Cardinals at number 4, 2-15. and 15. Number 3, I have the Rams at 6-11. and 11. And, again, it seems weird because we know Stafford's going to be back. We know Cup's going to be back. And yet, I just don't see them being able to do anything. They just seem like a team that just doesn't know what phase they're in, right? Because they, they went for Stafford. We need, to, we need an upgraded quarterback. we got to go for the Super Bowl. They won it. It's like, wow, we won it. What do we do now? Like, do we try to win it again? Do we sell the farm and rebuild? It just feels like they have no idea what they're trying to do, and it's not going to turn out well for them this year. I think 6-11 and 11 is probably going to be indicative of their record here. Uh, or rather their talent. 
the Seahawks at number two uh, with the ten and seven record, uh, getting the last wild card spot for me. And uh, Seahawks were a team that I was low on at the beginning of the offseason, but they grew on me. And why? Well, because they're I think they're a very well run organization. I think they saw the Russell Wilson thing coming, and they they sold him when his price was very high. They got a lot of good things out of that trade. And Geno Smith had a great year last year, uh, but not like incredible. I think a year that he can definitely replicate. And you know, very good team, very good receiving core. In a weak NFC, they should certainly replicate their success last year and maybe even exceed it, in my opinion. And at number one, I do have the San Francisco 49ers finishing with a record of 12-5, and five, which in the NFC will earn them the number one spot in the first round bye. Uh, I am very optimistic about Brock Purdy, mostly because I love the story, <laughs> and it would be just incredible if he was able to go from Mr. Irrelevant to having a great end of the year last year and just really solidifying himself as a starter. Uh, the 49ers have maybe the best roster in football, just absolutely loaded, ready to win, and they've been ready for a while. I think this is finally the year that they kind of stumble into success with Mr. Irrelevant leading the way. And I think stumble into success is a good phrase for that, for how I view the team. And like you said, one of the best rosters in the league. But I think quarterback could end up being something that holds them back. I, I wouldn't predict that it was necessarily, but that, that's been, in my mind... That I something that I could see happening, mm-hmm. that like if, if Purdy Purdy were to flame out, that I mean you have Darnold behind him. That's someone that I don't think anybody has any faith in. Yeah, right. I just think that like the way that they botched completely botched that Trey Lance pick, and getting a fourth round pick from Dallas. I mean, that was a terrible pick. Whatever you think of Trey Lance, that was a horrible pick. Like, what did you get out of that? Nothing. And but the way that. You know, this truly is stumbling into success. The last pick of the draft is now your starting quarterback over your the pick that you traded up to get. Uh, it would just be incredible if Brock Purdy is able to do that. I think he will because I think right away they they dubbed him the starter, which they showed immediate confidence in him. The team seems to love him. I think the vibes are good there, and, and they should be able to do something. And then you got the Seattle Seahawks as well, who I think they could easily replicate their success from last year. I mean, if you look at the defense is obviously really good defense, well run by Pete Carroll. And then the offense, although productive, wasn't like this perennial offense. I think it's something that is definitely uh, reproducible this year, certainly with Geno getting even more acclimated to that offense. And then Kenneth Walker, I think he's just going to have a, a breakout year. I really like what I saw from him last year. So I think at their best, they could be a contender for this division. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was about to say the same thing as well. I, when I look at their roster on paper, it's actually got more depth than I originally thought it did. And I mean, I do really like the addition of Jackson Smith and Jigba as well to possibly help unlock that offense and maybe become a bigger contender in the NFC than maybe we originally thought because of how wide open that conference really is. Exactly. I, yeah. I, and the more I've thought about Seattle, the higher I've gotten on them, I feel like. I do have a little bit of doubts about Geno Smith, honestly, but... Again, with the as wide open as the NFC is, why not Seattle? Right, right. And that's kind of like why, I don't know if I'm getting higher on them or just lower on the conference in general. Um, so, But either way, I think they're going to have enough to make the playoffs. Well, I think they can certainly make the playoffs. And then with the Rams, like it's the complete opposite. I have no idea where they're going. I mean, they this is kind of the result of going all in for the Super Bowl. I mean, they won it. 
um, and they got their, you know, they got their diamonds, but now you're kind of having to pay the price of that. And it just feels like a team without an identity at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's something, a point that I'd made back at the time. I mean, sure, you enjoy your Super Bowl, but you're going to suffer now. And yeah, like you said, they have no identity. And to the opposite, I mean, it does not look like a team that just won the Super Bowl two years ago, especially with the with some of the players they still have on that roster as well. And they still do have some very high top-end talents like Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, of course. But it just feels like that's just not enough to compete anymore, especially with what we saw last year where they ranked very close to the bottom of the league in both offense and defense. Yeah, exactly. It's just It feels like they haven't been – although they are the second youngest team in the league, uh, just – it. It's at this point where it's just it feels like all their major playmakers are, are older guys and the younger guys that they do have have not proven themselves yet. I mean, honestly at best for the Rams, I see uh, being Arizona, like same thing. It, I mean, yeah, in Arizona, like it, it just seems like complete nothingness there. I think it's pretty generally accepted that they are very likely to get the first overall pick next year, and that's really what it's gonna be all about for them. Yeah, oh, 100%. Nobody nobody tanks like the Cardinals. I mean, even I doubt even if Kyler is healthy, they're probably not going to be in any rush to bring him back. So it just feels like they're not even trying this year to be competitive in any way, except for obviously competing for the worst record. And, and really, it's actually a pretty good strategy for building your team of the future, but it's very looked down upon by most NFL franchises. And honestly, so you don't want to be caught doing something like that. Right, yeah. I mean, like, you know, you always have those fans that you you don't want to see your team lose, but it like it, there's no doubt that it is the better strategy to do that. But, but other than that, like, I'm not looking forward to be watching any Cardinals games this year at all. And it's really a poor team. Yeah, definitely not, except for fantasy. <laughs> right. I mean, anyone you that you have playing against the Cardinals of fantasy, you're definitely gonna want to start them. Absolutely. All right, and now, so that is all our predictions here. And before we recap our records, uh, Scott, why don't you want to uh, enlighten the fans uh, as to how we score these predictions? Can you still hear and see me here when I just went off the page? Yeah, I can see you. Okay, I want to make sure you can, I can still. That's still working. Okay, so you would just cut that part real quick. So our, I can cut that after. Yeah. So our every year we do our season predictions, and this is the formula that we use every year to help determine who is the winner. So we predict our each team's record using the NFL simulator to make sure all records can be predicted and actually happen. So for that, predicting a team's correct record is worth 15 points. One game off is worth 10 points. Two games off is worth 5 points. Three games off is worth two points, and over three games off is worth zero points. We also, in this, select our award winners for the season, and correctly predicting the award winner, you receive 10 points, and if your award winner gets nominated for the award but does not win, it's worth five points. And then, also, we'll go through our playoff predictions as well, momentarily, 
and correctly predicting the Super Bowl winner gets you 20 points. Correctly predicting a playoff matchup gets you 15 bonus points. And a team advancing to the predicted playoff round gets you 5, 10, or 15 points for the corresponding round. So that being said, let's get right into back into our team recaps here and go over our standings for the AFC and NFC this year. Rob, would you like to lead things off? All right, I'll take it. I certainly will. I'll take it away here and go in with the AFC. We have the Steelers uh, at 12 and 5, the Bengals at 11 and 6, Browns at 9 and 8, and Ravens at 8 and 9. Then we had the Jaguars at 12 and 5, the Titans at 10 and 7, the Texans at 5 and 12, with the Colts at 3 and 14. Then we have the Jets at 12 and 5, the Bills at 10 and 7, the Patriots at 9 and 8, and the Dolphins at 8 and 9. And then we had in the West the Chiefs at 13 and 4, the Chargers at 9 and 8, the Broncos at 7 and 10, and the Raiders at 6 and 11. And then on the NFC side, we had the Lions at 10 and 7, the Packers at 10 and 7, Vikings at 9 and 8, Bears at 7 and 10. The Saints at nine and eight, Bucks at seven and ten, Falcons at six and eleven, Panthers at three and fourteen. Then we had the Cowboys at twelve and five, Eagles at eleven and six, Giants at eight and nine, Commanders at five and twelve. And finally in the West, the 49ers at twelve and five, Seahawks at ten and seven, Rams at six and eleven, and Cardinals at two and fifteen. And then I'll get right into mine as well. So in the AFC. At the number one seed, I had the Buffalo Bills at 13 and four. Then the Baltimore Ravens at 13 and four. Kansas City Chiefs 13 and four. Jacksonville Jaguars 12 and five. Cincinnati Bengals 12 and five. The Los Angeles Chargers at 11 and six. And the Cleveland Browns at 11 and six to round out my playoff teams. And then my non-playoff teams of the Miami Dolphins at 10 and seven. The New York Jets at nine and eight. Pittsburgh Steelers at nine and eight. The Tennessee Titans at seven and ten. The Denver Broncos at six and eleven. The New England Patriots at five and twelve. The Indianapolis Colts at five and twelve, the Las Vegas Raiders at four and thirteen, and the Houston Texans at three and fourteen. And in the NFC, I had the number one seed, the Philadelphia Eagles at fourteen and three, then the Detroit Lions at eleven and six, the San Francisco 49ers at eleven and six, the Atlanta Falcons at eleven and six, the Dallas Cowboys at eleven and six, the Seattle Seahawks at nine and eight, and the Green Bay Packers at eight and nine to round out my playoff teams. And then my non-playoff teams, I had the New Orleans Saints at 8-9, the Carolina Panthers at 8-9, the New York Giants at 7-10, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 7-10, the Minnesota Vikings at 6-11, the Los Angeles Rams at 6-11, the Chicago Bears at 6-11, the Washington Commanders at 4-13, and, and the Arizona Cardinals at 2-15. All right, and that is our final standings for the regular season. And now we shall enter the playoff predictions here. So I'll take it away first. And in the wild card round, I had the Bengals facing the Jaguars and the Jaguars winning. The Titans versus the Jets and the Jets winning. The Bills versus the Steelers and the Bills upsetting that game. Then the NFC side, we have the Eagles versus the Saints. I had the Eagles winning that. I had the Lions beating the Packers. And I had the Cowboys beating the Seahawks. Moving on to the divisional round, we have the Jaguars prevailing over the Jets, the uh, the Chiefs prevailing over the Bills, and the Cowboys beating the Lions, although I think that could be a close game, uh, and the 49ers prevailing over the Eagles. In the conference championship, I had the Chiefs beating the Jaguars and the 49ers beating the Chiefs. And in the Super Bowl, I had the 49ers 
taking home the Lombardi Trophy and beating the Kansas City Chiefs. Very nice. And in my playoff rounds, I had the Jacksonville Jaguars beating the Cincinnati Bengals, the Kansas City Chiefs over the L.A. Chargers, the Baltimore Ravens over the Cleveland Browns, the Dallas Cowboys over the Atlanta Falcons, the San Francisco 49ers over the Seattle Seahawks, and the Detroit Lions over the Green Bay Packers. Then in round two, I had the Buffalo Bills over the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Baltimore Ravens over the Kansas City Chiefs, the Philadelphia Eagles over the Dallas Cowboys, and the Detroit Lions over the San Francisco 49ers. So in the the championships, I had the Buffalo Bills over the Baltimore Ravens and the Philadelphia Eagles over the Detroit Lions, and I had the Buffalo Bills winning the Super Bowl over the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, some tasty predictions uh, for both of us here. Pretty surprising having a different Super Bowl winner. Uh, And then we have the Player Awards, the final leg of our season predictions, and we will be predicting the winners of all the awards for the Player Awards. So League MVP, uh, I guess we'll do uh, the award, and then I'll name mine and you will name yours. Uh, So League MVP, I had Trevor Lawrence. I think he's going to be a very good player this year. I think he's going to be a fantasy monster. And in his second year with a real head coach, I think he will take the MVP. I like that pick a lot. But for my pick for MVP, I have Lamar Jackson. So like I talked about in my predictions, I'm actually very high on Baltimore and what they can do this year. And I really am excited for what can be unlocked in the offense with Todd Munkin and really a better, much better group of receivers for him. Yeah, I, I definitely see the potential in that. If he's, for me, the biggest concern is if he uh, stays healthy. If he stays healthy, he's definitely capable, uh, as he's shown before, of winning an MVP. Right. And with the Offensive Player of the Year award, I'm going to nominate somebody that I nominated last year in Nick Chubb. And he is one of my favorite players in the NFL at this point. Uh, he's played five seasons in the NFL, and all five he's had 1,000 yards which is insane, although his first year he was four yards short, but I'm counting that as a 1,000-yard season. Um, Nick Chubb, just an absolute monster. I think he finally gets the recognition he deserves. That's a good pick, and, and again, I'm very high on the Cleveland offense as well, and Chubb has been perennially one of the best running backs in the league. And for my offensive MVP, I kind of mirrored your MVP pick and picked Trevor Lawrence and for a lot of the same reasons, I mean, Lawrence has one of my, been one of my favorite players to watch in the league, and I think he's very poised for a breakout, bringing in Kelvin Ridley and having a competent coaching staff and a softer schedule. I really like what's in store for Lawrence and the Jaguars this year. Yeah, the scheduling point is a very good one. He'll be able to rack up some nice stats on the weak division opponents. And then you have the Defensive Player of the Year award, which I will elect Micah Parsons to win. I think he is just an incredible talent defense. He can play linebacker. He can play defensive end. And hopefully they're going to utilize him more on the defensive end side this year, which will result in the defensive player of the year. Great minds think alike, as I also picked Micah Parsons to win the defensive MVP. Good pick. <laughs> and then we have Offensive Rookie of the Year. And this one was pretty tough. I see two very good running backs here. But I'm going to go with Jamar Gibbs, or Jameer Gibbs, uh, of the Detroit Lions. Uh, Lions showed they really know how to utilize the run game last year with Jamal Williams having a breakout season. I think they do the same with Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, honestly, like you said, too, I think there's a lot of good choices here for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I ultimately decided to go with Bryce Young. 
I think to match up my prediction with the Panthers, but but I do really believe that Bryce Young is the best set out of the quarterback class. I mean, and as he should be, is being picked first overall to really come out of the gate strongly and have a good foundation for the NFL, despite not having a great sporting cast. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he he definitely could if he if he does well enough. That the fact that he has a less than stellar team around him is really going to boost his case for that award for sure. Uh, and then you have the defensive, the defensive rookie of the year award, and I had this going to Jalen Carter uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles. I saw some really good things in the preseason from him, and I think he looks like another premier pass rusher. And the Eagles' defensive line is loaded already, so Jalen Carter should fit in nicely. And for me, I decided to go with Will Anderson of the Houston Texans for this one. A really high pick and on a bad team. I think he still will be able to rack up some good amount of sacks here and bring some good attention to himself. Yeah, maybe a light in the darkness that is the Texans, for sure. And then the comeback player of the year, I thought this is fairly obvious. I think we all know that it's going to be Damar Hamlin here. Oh, absolutely. Damar Hamlin? Yeah, no question about that. As easy as a prediction as you can get, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And then Coach of the Year, finally, we have Mike Tomlin. And, of course, this coincides with the Steelers doing so well. I think if the Steelers do that well, and you know, I think very confident that they will win the division, I think Mike Tomlin more than deserves the Coach of the Year award. And for me, my Coach of the Year is Arthur Smith of the Atlanta Falcons. And that will match up with my prediction as well of the Falcons winning the division, and I think surprises some people this year. Yeah, certainly. I I like Arthur Smith's style. He's really kind of brought some juice into that franchise after Matt Ryan is gone. So yeah, I, I do like that pick. If the Falcons end up doing well, I think it'll be in large part because of him. And yeah, that does it for our our season predictions, the the regular season standings, playoffs, and player <laughs> awards. Uh, we are excited for NFL football to be beginning and I know you guys are as well so I'd like to thank you all for listening to this podcast please share it with any football fans that you might think be interested and we greatly appreciate your viewership and this has been Mark My Words Football Podcast with Rob and Scott and we are tuning out